Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for today's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members share their career journey, highlighting notable aha moments along the way. My name is Melanie Smith, and I am the director of the ASHP section of Ambulatory Care Practitioners, and I will be your host for today's podcast. With me today is Carlton Maxwell, Clinical Pharmacy Manager at Atrium Health's Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's a 2020 graduate of the ASHP Foundation's Pharmacy Leadership Academy. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carlton. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Melanie. It's great to be on. I appreciate the invite. Of course, of course. So let's go ahead and dive right in and talk about today's topic, leadership in a time of change, caring for yourself, your patients, and your team. So to start off, Carlton, why don't you give us a little bit of background about your current practice site and professional responsibilities? Okay. So my current practice site, I am the clinical pharmacy manager at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been there uh, for 10 years. I've been a, the clinical manager for about 18 months. Prior to that, I was a cardiology clinical pharmacy specialist at Carolina's Medical Center for nine years. And... There I was rounding in the cardiology uh, ICU. And so I would take care of the uh, cardiology ICU patients, mainly focused on heart failure patients, in addition to patients coming straight out of the cardiac catheterization lab, uh, and also patients who uh, were dealing with severe uh, atrial fibrillation. And so, you know, transitioned from that after nine years to management. And now, so I am the clinical manager and the best way to describe it is the acute care clinical manager because I manage the critical care pharmacist, the internal medicine pharmacist, and the emergency department pharmacist. We also have an ID uh, manager, a manager for the ID pharmacist. We have a manager for the PEDS pharmacist. So I take care of the critical care, the internal medicine, uh, and the emergency department pharmacist. In addition to that, any uh, clinical initiatives that come through the hospital that fall under those specialties, I am responsible for that and uh, shepherding uh, those specialties through like the PT committees, uh, any type of issues that come up from a shortage standpoint that fall within though that purview, I deal with with those. So you know I, it's a pretty keeps me keeps me occupied. Um, you know, there's a lot of fires, you know, you walk in and you already know that, you know, whatever you have that is planned, you got to understand that, you know, it's most likely you're going to get knocked off a little bit in regards to like your, the flow of your day, because it's just a, a fast paced environment, but it's really interesting. Very cool. And I bet you, you have been on your toes with COVID. Oh man. COVID has really, really had us on our toes. We had to do a lot of changes in our model, you know, to make sure that we, number one, clinical pharmacy was able to continue to deliver services throughout the hospital and two, to keep our uh, pharmacist safe, you know, in that time, particularly at the beginning, because nobody knew, you know, we were very unclear about, you know, what things needed to be done in order to effectively keep pharmacists safe and also continue delivery of services in person. So, you know, it was, it, it was very interesting time. You know, we really had to like change the way we, we delivered services. One of the things that we did at our hospital was that, you know, the 
the ID pharmacists started to look at every COVID patient, but the critical care pharmacists also started looking at all COVID patients in the ICU. And we got a emergency protocol approved so that they could make adjustments to those patients without the without needing a cosign from a physician. Uh, so the physicians uh, trusted the pharmacist, the critical care pharmacist, to be able to make decisions on those patients in regards to you know sedation, analgesia, as well as blood pressure management, so that they could focus on COVID patients. So you know we we, we had a pretty progressive thought process in our hospital, and clinical pharmacy uh, led the way in that. That's awesome that you guys were able to practice at the top of your license and really step up to the game. And one thing I was thinking about when you were describing having to provide services in person. So I know for my, a lot of my AmCare colleagues, a lot of them had to decide who could work from home and who had to go into clinic. Were you involved in any of that decision-making for your team? Absolutely. So, you know, we've had to figure out, it even goes a little bit more granular to how are we set up in the office? You know, are we set up six feet apart? Because, you know, we're in a cubicle space. So, you know, we, we've had to make sure that, you know, hey, you may need to work from home two days and you you work from home three days and then we switch it so that, you know, we're appropriately spaced in the in, in, in the in the hospital. You know, at the beginning, we we were on a seven on seven off model because that's kind of what the recommendations were coming out of New York, where, you know, it was kind of ground zero where, hey, you guys need to go to a seven on seven off model. And so we had to figure out, you know, how do we deliver services to our units in a way that, you know, does not impact patient care? And so, you know, we had to split, you know, our pharmacists up to where they were able, they had to cover each other, you know, during that time. We had to switch to more of a team surrounding at some point, at, at certain points where, you know, our pharmacists were ha- having to hop on teams calls with the, with the uh, medical team. You know, some of our pharmacists, you know, they would just call and round directly with the attending. You know, a lot of our critical care pharmacists did that. So it was one of those things where you really had to be uh, very uh, flexible about mm-hmm. the way that you practice, man. And, 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 and you know, I, I give a lot of credit to my team. You know, we, we really individualized it based off of the way that their teams were practicing. So some of my team, you know, they were fine with, you know, going to a virtual model. Some of my team, you know, really, really impressed upon me that, you know, they're having difficulty making the recommendations that they need to if they're not going in person. And so what we had to do was sit down and say, look, these are the things that you have to do in order to make everybody else around you comfortable. So you, you've got to, you know, switch out your scrubs, you know, going into the unit, going out of the unit, practice social distancing while you're on the unit. They have to provide you an N95 mask. They have to provide you goggles. Um, all of these things have to be done if they want you on the unit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we impressed it upon, we put it on the responsibility of the pharmacist, but also the responsibility of the team, you know, that if you want pharmacy services there, which they do, unfortunately, we have a great relationship throughout the hospital, that, you know, the pharmacists have to get the same protections that the rest of the team does in order to function appropriately. That's great. And it just goes to show everybody was rolling with the punches. And so we just learn as we go along. Hey, absolutely. 
So switching gears just a little bit, and I've had the pleasure of knowing you for quite some time since our pharmacy school days, but yes. just for the <laughs> just for the audience, was pharmacy, specifically pharmacy leadership, something that you were always interested in? And when did you decide to, to transition from full-time patient care to more of a clinical manager role? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And just kind of kind of to, to to shout out to networking. You know, kind of as you refer to it, you know, passively, like we've we've known each other, you know, 10, 12 years, you know, just off of networking as students. So, you know, any students that are listening to this podcast, you know, the, the connections that you make, you know, in pharmacy school, you'll be amazed at how they will move over, you know, as you progress in your career. But to get to your question about, you know, pharmacy leadership. You know, it's something that I always thought about. You know, I was very active in other organizations while I was a student. You know, I was national president of uh, Student National Pharmaceutical Association. And so I always was drawn to leadership in that aspect. But I loved, loved, loved uh, cardiology pharmacy. And so, you know, I just wasn't ready to leave it. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it took me a while to get to that point. Um, But uh, probably about two years ago, I noticed that. I was on autopilot Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was just kind of going through the motions of my job. You know, I could do my job, you know, as good as anybody, but I was really on autopilot. You know, I go to work, you know, go to, go to rounds, come home. And I, I understood right then, like I needed something else, you know, and crazy thing about that time, uh, this job came open and, you know, it had came open once before while I was here and I passed. I was like, I, I'm, I don't I don't want to deal with that, you know, at that time. Number one, it's just it's just a tough job um, being the clinical manager here at this particular facility just because of the myriad of things that fall fall under purview. But the second thing was I just wasn't ready to leave cardiology pharmacy. But right around about two years ago. I felt like it was time to just make a shift to bring a little bit more joy back into what I do as a pharmacist. So that really was kind of the the moment for me where I was ready to kind of transition a little bit into um, full-time, you know, management. Cool. So you went with your intuition. Yes. And it seemed seemed to happen at the right time because who knows what your facility would have been like handling COVID if you were not in charge. So... Great, well, I, good job I, for you listening. I'm certain that it, they would have figured it out, but you know, we we did what we had to do. So you know, it, it, it was good to be in a good place, the right place at the right time. So awesome. So along those same lines, um, we've had moments in our life or along our journey that have helped define us and shape the impact we want to have on practice with our patients and with our learners. So can you describe? what I like to call one of your aha moments, and was it something that was expected, and how did you respond? So, you know, for me, you know, I've, I've had a couple of them, but I'll I tell you a moment that really did define like the way that I practice, like, you know, at the beginning of, you know, coming straight out of pharmacy school, you know, I, I had like a lot of goals in regards to, you know, I'm going to publish, every, you know, one paper every year and, you know, I'm going to, you know, be involved from a leadership level. And I tell you, one of the things that really happened to me from a personal standpoint that really changed kind of the course was that my wife got postpartum cardiomyopathy. So like I really had to figure out, you know, I had a six month old daughter and I had, you know, a wife who was going through postpartum cardiomyopathy. 
And, uh, you know, it really kind of changed like the way I viewed, you know, my job is being real hard charging. You know, this is what we, you know, how clinical pharmacists can be, right. you know, get, get in at seven, leave at six and, you know, do it, you know, be very uh, super involved with the team on call all the time, really changed my perspective on a lot right. of things, you know, and it really caused me to take a step back and make sure that I had an appropriate work-life balance, you know, to make sure that I'm taking care of home, taking care of, you know, the kid to be there, you know, and be involved, you know, in, in all those type of day-to-day activities. Fortunately, she, you know, she, she recovered a couple of years later, you know, she fully recovered from the cardiomyopathy. So very thankful for that. You know, she's healthy and not having any medical issues related to that. But that was really one of the things that happened, you know, on my journey that kind of defined like the way that I view pharmacy in general and work-life balance in general. Right. That's an interesting point because I always try to impress upon students that your career path is not going to be linear. And at some point, life is going to come in. And if life, meaning nothing related to pharmacy, is going to come in and it's going to shape your perspective and your priorities. And that is a perfect example. And I'm glad that she was able to recover and is doing better. Yes, yes. So shifting gears. So so we've kind of already alluded to COVID and some of the changes that you've had to make um, with your staff. But in regards to the global pandemic and then as well as concerns surrounding social justice, how have you responded to the changes that need to be made both in practice and at home? And what have you learned about yourself, your colleagues and your family? Uh, That's a great question. You know, in regards to changes that need to be made, you know, I think we have learned that in pharmacy, there are just a lot of different ways to do things. You know, we as leaders had to really learn that there's a different way to do things. We just have to get outside of ourselves and get outside of the rigid way that we believe things should be done. You know, it doesn't have to be where somebody has to be here and you physically see them present in an office in order for them to get the things done that they need to do. And it's one of the things that as a leadership team, we had to come to grips with the fact of, You know, we've got to trust the metrics that we see from our team. We've got to trust, you know, what we're hearing from our teammates, what we're hearing from our physicians. Are they getting, you know, the services that they expect? And if they are, you know, whether it be virtual or whether it be in person, you know, we've got to trust that, you know, and and know that, you know, we're doing what we need to do uh, in that regard. You know, from a social justice standpoint, it's been really interesting, you know, particularly as an African-American male uh, in leadership. And, you know, colleagues, and I'm, I'm one of, you know, we've got a large leadership team of probably 15 or 20 people, and it's two African-Americans on it. Both of us, both of us are African-American males. And so, you know, colleagues have really kind of looked to us, you know, kind of for some signals on like, hey, you know, how do you, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about this? And um, the one thing I, I have learned is that people for the most part, 95%, they want to do the right thing. They have a desire to want to do the right thing by people, but they have a lot of difficulty in finding appropriate resources Mm -hmm. to know what the right thing is, you know? And, you know, for me, I had to really take a step back and say, look, I can give you a perspective but I can't, I'm not an expert on this. I can tell you what I feel. I can tell you what I think. I can tell you what I believe is right, but 
I can't give you the appropriate tools to be able to deal with it. You know, so fortunately here at Atrium Health, you know, we've got a diversity and inclusion committee. We have a whole department that specializes in this. And so I've gotten very good at, you know, referrals to that department, you know, for people who, who are thinking like, you know, what can I do? How can I be an ally? You know, what can I do to help, you know, further change and to be an ally for, you know, social justice? You know, I've really, you know, come to grips with the fact that, you know, I, I just, I'm not an expert at that, you know, you know, regardless of, you know, the position I'm in and, and you know, my ethnicity and my race, you know. You, you just got to be able to understand like where you are, where you fit in from a standpoint of your uh, ability to give a, a appropriate opinion. Agreed. Agreed. And I think the one thing that I myself have learned is that I'm glad now that we are able to talk more openly about mm-hmm. these types of issues and people, like you said, want to do the right thing for the most part and are receptive to learning, but then also knowing that the information that I share as a Black woman is just based upon my experiences. I, mm-hmm. I cannot speak for the entire Black race. Correct. Um, Correct. <laughs> I point you in the right direction. Yes. Um, so cool. Okay. So last question. In your opinion, what does the profession look like and how much of what we've experienced over the past few months, shoot, most of 2020 should be implemented as we move forward? I think the future of the profession really is going to be tied to the amount of expertise that we can show. And, you know, going, you know, going along the lines of the, you know, emergency protocol that we were able to develop, it really showed that we're here as an added value. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to take away something from physicians. We're not trying to take away things from, you know, nurse practitioners. We're here to add value so that you can, we can free up physicians and providers to be able to, to do things that they need to do to, to, so that they can work at the top of their, you know, license. And so I think for, for pharmacists, it's going to be vitally important that we show the added value uh, that we bring to the healthcare team. Even in community pharmacy, we got to be able to show the value that we bring to the community, to our patients, you know, when they come in and ask us, you know, issues that concern, you know, medications in the pandemic. You know, we've got to be on the forefront of that. You know, we've got to continue to push for provider status because that is really where we're going to be able to show a lot of value to healthcare systems. You know, if healthcare systems are able to you know, bill for the services that pharmacists provide as an inpatient. You know, if, you know, community pharmacists are able to bill for the services that pharmacists provide on the outpatient standpoint, you know, those are things where the the profession of pharmacy is really going to either move forward or stay stagnant. And so we've got to make sure that we're on the front lines of showing that value that we bring to the healthcare team so that everybody recognizes just how much we bring to the table and how different their practice would look if pharmacy wasn't there uh, to bring that added value. I like that. I like that. So the two key points I heard from what you said are continue the fight and add value. I think that's a perfect place to end our conversation, ending on a high note. So I just want to thank you, Carlton, for joining me today to discuss our topic, leadership in a time of change, caring for yourself, your patients, and your team, and for sharing both your personal and professional perspectives. Thank you very much, Dr. Smith. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.